0: You are holy. You are set apart. You're all together separate. There is none like You. You are Almighty God all by Yourself. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. we have worship at the end of the sermon, who would stay in worship? Y'all have got to hear them sing, You are the air I breathe. If if we let them start that, there won't be no sermon today. I'm telling you, it is powerful. Can you all come back and sing, This is the air I breathe. Lord, You are the air we breathe. You are the bread we eat. You are our life. You are our sustenance. You are the reason we live. You're the source of our love, Lord, and we give it back to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Worthy as Lamb.
1: You are holy.
0: Back to you and worship you some more today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we show our appreciation for Pastor Shaky and Karen Anderson? Hallelujah. 1 John 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, for God is love. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten Son into the world, that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us, and sent his Son to be the propitiation, that is, the full payment, the full satisfaction or appeasement of justice for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. We say perfected. If we love one another, and God abides in us, and his love has been perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in him and he in us, because he has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son as Savior of the world. Whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God abides in him and he in God. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love, and he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. Love has been perfected. Can we say perfected? Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. As he is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. Lord, we thank you for your word. We ask that you would speak to our hearts from what we've just read in Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to speak to you today on the developing of the love of God. We've talked about the dimensions and the demonstration and the discipline of God's love. Today we're going to talk about the, de- the developing of God's love. What does this mean? Well, we look at the text from verse uh, 16. We have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and He abides in love, abides in God, and God in Him. This is the main verse I want us to look at. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. He who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love Him because He loves us. Uh, This is not a... Good illustration is kind of a shallow one, but I grew up afraid of girls until one day I saw a girl. I had to meet her, so I walked up for the first time in my life and introduced myself to a girl. And uh, I think it was love at first sight. I was definitely smitten and found out where she lived. We lived about a mile apart, and uh, we agreed maybe we should see each other sometime. She said, I'll drop by your house sometime and make you welcome to my country. I was a missionary in Africa with my parents. The next day, I uh, had to go see her. So I got on my brother's bike and rode to her house and chickened out and rode past it. (laughs) Made a U-turn, came to her house, chicken out, and rode past it. After about three or four times, I swallowed my fear, perfect fear casts out love, faced my fears, what I did, and with a beating heart, I knocked on the door, and she answered. Um, Yeah, so when you really love, you'll override your fear. And while today's sermon is about loving God and loving people, sometimes loving people can be scary, can't it? They might hurt you. They might take advantage of you. They may not appreciate your acts of sacrifice that you're going to do to express God's love to them and your love for them. But overcome that fear. uh, The way to overcome that fear is to increase your level of love. That's why we're talking about developing the love of God in our lives. The word perfected, remember, uh, love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. The word perfected means complete and whole, excellent or ideal, exact as a reproduction, mature. Can we say mature. The Greek word that John used there is the word teleu, which means to make perfect, complete, to carry through completely. To accomplish, finish, to bring to an end, to add what is wanting in order to render a thing full, to bring to a close or fulfillment by event, to consummate in character, to consecrate, to finish. We are all on the road of the Lord developing our love. Verse 17 in the complete Jewish Bible is translated as follows. Here is how love has been brought to maturity with us. As the Messiah is, so are we in the world. This gives us judgment, gives us, gives us confidence for the day of judgment. The Lord is in heaven representing us and we are on earth representing him. And he has sent his Holy Spirit to back us up. That as we express his love in the world, we are the hands and feet of Jesus. As we express his love in the world, he backs us up. And we have nothing to fear when Judgment Day comes because there are some rewards awaiting us. The Message Bible paraphrases it like this. This way, love has the run of the house. It becomes at home and mature in us so that we're free of worry on Judgment Day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ's. The New Living Translation reads, As we live in God, our love grows more perfect, so we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. We live like Jesus here in this world. So for that to happen, something's got to change, right? Because on my own, I don't love folks like Jesus did. But yet I'm called to take up my cross and follow him. And so where there is love, there is not the struggle. There's not the effort. There is inspiration. I was inspired to go see that young lady. And I faced my fears two or three times going to that house on my brother's bike. The developing of the love of God. The word develop means to change, to grow, to achieve maturity, to acquire, to enlarge on something, to become clear, to reveal in stages, to build structures, to turn negatives into prints. The last chapter of the book of John, Jesus is having a conversation with Peter, who a few days earlier had denied that he ever known him, ever knew him, and... Uh, even cursed to try to give people the impression he was not a follower of Jesus. Well, Peter's faith was shaken to the core and Jesus said, I prayed for you that your faith won't fail and the rooster's going to crow and you're going to have denied me three times before the rooster crows. And that happened. And so on the beach there, the Lord and Peter's relationship is strengthened and Jesus asks Peter three questions. He says, Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And um, the first, do you love me? Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. Uh, the second, do you love me? He said, tend my sheep. And the third, do you love me? Tend my lambs. In English, you kind of miss the beauty of the conversation there. What Jesus asked him, the first question was, do you love me? He used the word agape or agape, which means sacrificial love. It's the, it's the highest possible form of love. It's, it's, it's awesome love. Do you agape me, Peter? And, uh, he says, yes, I do, I do. Well, then, you know, feed my sheep. And then the second question, he used the same word. Do you agape me, Peter? And yes, Lord, you know, I do and tend my sheep. And then Jesus came down a level in love to the word phileo, which means brotherly love. It's uh really caring about someone, but it's not the sacrificial love and I think it kind of upset Peter that he would do that do you do you phileo me man, or do you know that I love you you know and um, I think what the Lord was doing was recognizing the fact that Peter's love for him was going to develop, it was going to grow probably from phileo to Agape to the day One day the Catholic Church historians have recorded that Peter was crucified like Jesus and in so doing he says, I'm not worthy to die like my Lord. Crucify me upside down. There was no denying his love for the Lord at that point because his love had been perfected or been developed. So today we're talking about the developing of the love of God. Um, We've looked at uh, there's three stages, I believe, in developing the love of God. Number one is to realize God's love for us, which is where we've been for the last few Sundays. We've looked at the dimensions of God's love, the width, the length, the depth, and the height of his love. His love is so wide you can't get around it, so high you can't get over it, so long you can't get past it, so deep you can't get under it. And as the song says, but you've got to come through the door. His love is Awesome. We've talked about the demonstration of God's love, that he gave his only son. It'd be one thing to give yourself, it's a whole other thing to give your child, right? But to give your only child, your firstborn son, um, that's an awesome demonstration of love. And he did this while we were yet sinners. While there wasn't anything in us worth dying for, God did this for us. And in so doing, he transformed our many sins into our justification. According to Romans, one sin brought a curse on the human race. One sin made us all sinners. Kind of the ripple effect. One pilot's error can crash an airplane and everybody on the plane suffers as a result of one person's error. So one person's error, the first Adam's error, we all were made sinners. The mystery of salvation is through many errors by many people against one person, Jesus. All the sins committed against him would be hard to count. And because of who he was, it, it just increases the magnitude of the wickedness that was committed that day that he died. All those many sins have brought have resulted through God's transformation in our justification. One sin brought condemnation. Many sins brought justification. A demonstration of God's love. How He can take the biggest mess you can imagine and bring a message that the whole world needs to hear. Then we talked a couple Sundays ago about the discipline of God's love. Because we are His children, He loves us like we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves us as his children, and because he does, he disciplines us with his word, with allowing us to reap what we sow, and maybe even arranging some circumstances or withholding of blessings so that we can see, hey, I am wrong. I am immature in this area. And, of course, he disciplines us because we need it. Any perfect people in the house? We need the Lord's maturing. And this is, to me, this brings such comfort to my heart. Um, I was raised in a denomination that preached strong on the need to live holy. And none of us knew whether or not we were saved because we might make a mistake and to say otherwise was to believe once saved, always saved. And God forbid that we would do that. <laughs> Nobody knew that they were saved. And it was an appearance of humility by saying things like, oh, I must be saved. Oh, when the rapture takes place, I hope I'm ready. Oh, when I die, I must be ready. I must be saved. Oh, Lord, save me. I mean, just, just no, no awareness or, or comfort Of assurance that you are saved. And if we are saved, we have a father that cares about us. And if he cares about us, when we stray, he knows what we need to get back on track. These people that live against rebellion against God and never never experience any conviction for sin, I don't know that they are his child. Because if they were, the father would be dropping the ball, right? In fact, the Bible says if he doesn't discipline us, we are illegitimate children. The King James isn't so nice about it. We are bastards. Are. And God doesn't have illegitimate children. So because we are his children, he knows what we need, and he will bring discipline into our lives. So the first step in developing the love of God is to know God loves you. Can we say, God loves me? God loves me. To know how much He does. I mean, it is just awesome. This is the milk of the Word. This is, this is good stuff. Some preachers just stay here and it's all they preach. Not throwing stones at them. It's all they preach because there is so much about it in the Word. It is one of the primary messages of the Bible. Number two. The developing of of the love of God is when we realize God's love for us. I believe the natural thing that happens is we respond to that love with love for God. Which we're going to do that at the end of the service here. We're going to respond to God's love for us by loving him with our worship. And when we leave here, we're going to love him with our lives. Amen? Amen? So respond to God's love for us with love for God. And this happens in three ways. We love him because he loved us first. We love him because we understand the dimensions of his love, the demonstration of his love, and even the discipline of his love. And when you realize that the Father is disciplining you because he loves you, then there comes an appreciation in your heart and a fresh level of love for him comes. It just happens naturally. God gives us his love and we love him back Number two, we love him because doing so fulfills our purpose. This is our purpose. Uh, the, uh, one of the catechisms of the church is the chief aim of man is to love God and enjoy him forever. The great commandment is to love God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. Loving God comes naturally. It just does. And if we don't love him, as Sheikh said, we're going to love somebody, we're going to love something. You've got to serve somebody. It's just natural to love God. We were made to love him. It's, there's a fulfillment that comes of our purpose. And thirdly, I love them. I, I love this one. We love him because he has forgiven us of so much. Listen to this story. From the Gospels. Luke 7 One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him. And he went to the Pharisee's house and sat down to eat. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. And she kissed his feet and anointed them with fragrant oil. Now this is an extreme act of devotion. Now when the Pharisee who invited him saw this, he spoke to himself saying, he's thinking this in his heart, this man, if he were a prophet, who would know who and what man or woman this is who is touching him, for she is a sinner. Self-righteous thoughts. Jesus answered and said to him, he knew what he was thinking, Simon, I have something to say to you. So he said, teacher, say it. Verse 41 of Luke 7, there was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii, or 500 days wages, and the other 50, or 50 days wages. So these are two considerable debts. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, Which of them will love him more? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly judged. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house and you gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss. But this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, her sins which are many are forgiven. For she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. Now, some people would misread this by saying... um, I say to you her sins which are many are forgiven for she loved much. Yeah, she had a whole lot of lovers. No. it's not what he's saying. Her sins which are many are forgiven and you know this because of the love in which she's expressing to him. The contemporary English version says this, so I tell you that all her sins are forgiven and that is why she has shown great love. But anyone who has not been anyone who has been forgiven for only a little will show only a little love. Um the Good News translation says, I tell you then, the great love she has shown proves that her many sins have been forgiven. But whoever has been forgiven a little shows only a little love. And The God's Word Bible says, that's why I'm telling you that her many sins have been forgiven. Her great love proves that. And whoever receives little forgiveness loves very little. Does this mean that um, we need to sin a whole lot so that we'll love God more? No. It means we need to realize just how forgiven we are, just how great the love of God is and how it is demonstrated for us if we're going to love him more. The New Living Bible says, Jesus said, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. I eventually married that girl, that I pursued. But many people do not know this part of our story, and if you're a teenager and you hear this, do not use this as an example to follow, but as an example to not follow. As I overcame my fears and got to know her better, I began to get to know her better and better and better until I started getting to know her too much. You know what I'm saying? And the day came when we realized there was a baby on the way. Her parents were heartbroken. My parents were heartbroken. Her father was angry, and he wanted an abortion. He wanted to fly her out that week to London, have it done, bring her back, and no one would know. I went to him and pled the case for our child. And he went to his church. He didn't go to church very often, but he went to his church a liturgical church, and cried out to God, and God gave him the peace in his heart that he needed. He came home from that service and gave me his blessing to marry his daughter. The next day, we went to the JP and got married, December 19th. A month later, we had a church wedding. Two months later, we were on a plane for Texas, never to live in Africa again. I was heartbroken. Because all I ever wanted to do with, with my life was, was preach. All I ever wanted to do with my life was be a missionary. But I got too close to this girl and I began to fornicate and fell into immorality. And it ended my career. I had to stand in front of the little congregation that I was a part of, of starting where I was the worship leader and publicly repent without exposing her. Although those who, were, you know, those who could put two and two together were able to figure things out. And I came home with so much shame, so much uh, disappointment in myself. And began to work and be a husband and be a daddy to this precious little girl, Summer Joy, whom he had blessed us with. And my ministry was over. I was doomed to ever fulfill any dream that God had given me because I had gone too far. And one day, a seven-day Adventist friend gave me a tape by a man named Desmond Ford on the love of God, on God's grace and his forgiveness. And I wore that tape out. I did not know how many times I listened to it, but I realized that God loves me and I cannot earn his love. There's nothing I can do to make him love me more. While I had been disqualified as a leader, I didn't need to lead nothing, I was still his child and I was under his discipline. And I needed to receive that. And that if I had to earn God's love, then that would make God's love be for sale. And you know what you call people who sell love? Prostitutes. God is not a prostitute. His love is not for sale. And it is for free. It is for free. And the Lord began to raise me up. I began to serve the local church, became the church janitor. And uh, anyway, it's a long story of what happened. But that and I still had scars from what happened years ago. Because our relationship had no foundation. There was no just us in our married life. There was always somebody else there. Starting out in the womb, of course. And so when our son got married four years ago, suddenly it was just us. And uh, even though the kids hadn't lived at home for years, just something happened at that wedding. It was just us, and it's like, uh, well, who are you? We'd lost our purpose and our relationship. We had to go to marriage counseling for a year and a half to sort it all out. I would never wish that on anybody. Don't do that. Many people who did what we've done have a whole lot more scars than what we have. All right, so young people, please take this as a warning. But I share it to say that when I worship, because I've been forgiven of so much, the love that is in my heart is beyond words. It really is. And sometimes I have to hold back to keep control. Otherwise, all we would do in this place is worship. All we do. That, That would be all we would do. What have you been forgiven of that you're still carrying around, that you don't walk in the full light of God's love and forgiveness for you? That if your heart could open the day to that love, your heart would be so filled with love back for God that you would become a worshiper like no other. Maybe you don't have a story like mine, but I'm telling you, Those of us who've been saved out of sin can tell you that you've been saved from sin. You have even more to thank Him for. This Pharisee didn't have the scars to deal with that this woman had in Luke 7. He should have been wiping the floor in front of Jesus with his tongue. Because God had shown great love to him. And he had tasted it his whole life. Something had gone wrong with her life. The point is we've been forgiven much and we have uh, been spared from much too. I don't care how horrible your life has been. You have been spared from horror of horrors compared to others. So we have much to thank Him for. I think a key in developing our love is worship. Because there we do what's appropriate. We're returning expressions of appreciation to the one who loved us and loves us so much. And as we do, there's communion with him. There's an interaction where his spirit fills us and empowers us, which helps us to love others. As a praise team comes forward, I don't know that they're going to sing this song. I think we're going to worship. I do want to read the lyrics to a song that Shake wrote. And uh, Reuben Stuttern has has recorded this song. Uh, The lyrics are, something's got a hold of me I can't explain. I no longer want the glory or material things. I no longer want the world. I no longer want the fame. I no longer need everyone to know my name. Don't want to be an idol if I'm bigger than you. How can I live a lie and stand for the truth? Now that you have done a work in me, I can see things so clearly. I want what you want. I'll cry when you cry. Lord, break my heart with the things that break your heart. I want to be more like you. Teach me to love like you. No longer about the way they say my name out loud. No longer about the way I stand out in the crowd. It's not about the people that are looking at me because I want them to change the picture of what they see. It's all of you, Lord, and none of me. I'll do the work, Lord. You receive the glory. Draw all men, Lord, by using me. I surrender my all to Thee. Give me a heart for the nations, for this generation. Give me compassion for the sinner man. Teach me to love. Give me a heart for the broken, the widow and the orphan. Give me a heart for the single mothers out there. Teach me to love. Give me a heart to help my brother, no matter what the color. Let me reach to help the nation. Teach me to love. Let me look past denomination, one body and one faith. Unite us all together, Lord. Teach us to love. Let's pray. Right. Lord, we thank you for loving us so much. And Lord, I know that, that none of us know how much you love us. And that it's going to be part of our life, even in heaven, to discover how great your love is for us. But, Lord, we thank You for the privilege and the honor that even with our limited knowledge of Your love for us, that we get the opportunity to show You our love for You. Thank You, Lord, for Your love for us, for demonstrating Your love and beginning to reveal the dimensions of it to us. And now, Lord, as we end this service with a season of worship, I pray, Lord, that we wouldn't rush away, but that we would linger in Your presence. And then, as we do, Lord, You would empower us to love one another, and to love those outside of Your kingdom. In Jesus' name, Lord, we thank You for the honorable position that as You are, so are we in this world. Make us faithful to express that love as You're developing it in us to others. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let's worship the Lord. And as they're coming, if you'd like for for prayer, to receive prayer for anything, we'll be up here to pray with you in agreement for what you desire the Lord to do, the Lord to give, the Lord to reveal for your life personally. Praise the Lord. Let's continue worshiping as we make prayer available. Praise the Lord. Prayer is available. Come right on. must go, you're free to go. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you His peace and a revelation of His love where you can't keep it to yourself but you got to give it away. And I